0: SequelCast 2 and Friends is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, go to greenlitpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to uh, Sierra Quest. This is a podcast looking at Sierra online adventure games chronologically. We just finished covering the original seven or so high-res adventures and slowly going into the original King's Quest. With us, we have the uh, co-founder of uh, Online Systems, later became Sierra, Ken Williams. Uh, Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, Brasher, um, do you want to kick things off here? You want to mention uh, some of your favorite Sierra games, or any questions you might have?
1: I mean, I'll I'll just go ahead and go with the, with the question. Uh, one of the the things that really set Sierra games apart, especially in the the early days, were very difficult, very arcane, and in some ways out of nowhere puzzles, like the, the, the infamous throwing a pie at the Yeti being the one that I hear a lot of people cite. Was there ever a puzzle so arcane that you felt you had to veto it uh, in, in any of the games you worked on? Well, I mean, unfortunately, I have to say that I
2: personally didn't get too involved in any particular puzzle and my strategy was always just to uh, support the designer. And if they wanted something, it really wasn't up to me to uh, contradict them. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there were certainly puzzles and games that shouldn't have been there that they probably should have thought over it better, but um, on whole, You know, they, they, they did a good job and people liked the games and they sold. And I, um, you know, I, I, I'd never considered myself personally a game designer and for me to tell people, you know, what they should put in their game or if a puzzle was too hard or too easy, it really, yeah, I wouldn't do that. There was a QA organization that would look at games when they were finished and I would try to get people to beta test, you know, and watch players play, but, um, that's really hard. I remember, you know, Al Lowe, um, I'd always have him, you know, uh, test leisure suit Larry, but he'd lean over their shoulder, and if they couldn't figure it out, he'd find some way to sneak him a hint. And um, so that process never never quite worked. But anyway, I don't know if that answers the question, but the bottom line is, you know, I, I can't
0: say. I was really interested, uh, Ken, in part of the memoir, you mentioned wanting to try and get the rights to a Stephen King book to do Uh into a game and you never could do it. Do you remember if it was for something like The Shining or what you just sort of wanted the name recognition there?
2: Yeah, there was no particular book. Um, I mean, there were at the times, you know, this would be what, 25 years ago. So the big books were, you know, I think it and Shining and, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm trying to think what was big at the time. And I, I remember Never talking directly to him, or I might have, but I don't remember that. Mostly talking to his agent, and I think he wound up didn't he wind up doing something with Infocom. Um, um,
0: I don't know if it was Infocom. He did something. Uh, maybe it was Capstone. He did. There was a Dark Half game that came out around the a little bit after the George Romero movie uh, about the writer with like the the evil personality kind of Jekyll and Hyde thing. Uh-huh. Um and there might have been some sort of 3D audio thing he did with The Mist, with that uh, novella from one of the story collections. But otherwise, it, it, it's kind of surprising. They seem to do games based on everything back then. Um, Lawnmower Man, that that not very good movie, the virtual reality thing, that got some games, but that's those the only ones that came to mind.
2: Yeah. No, it would have been great. I would have I liked to have done it, although... You know, if you look at Phantasmagoria, it wouldn't have sold any better with or without the Stephen King name. So, although, you know, indirectly, um, Roberta, he wrote a book on how to write horror. And uh, Roberta really studied that book as part of writing Phantasmagoria.
0: Oh, well, yeah, I think it might have been Dance
2: Macabre. Uh Uh, Yeah, that was a great one. I remember that uh, name. I'm trying to think how to kill slack because I've got uh, (laughs) the guys I'm working with are sending me messages in the background,
0: and I want them to stop
2: doing that. That's the ding you keep hearing. Oh, that's fine. I'm going into my uh, task manager looking for that task because I closed it, but it's still sneaking in. It still runs in the background. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Okay, I'm killing the task. That might actually get them to be quiet. Okay, sorry. Great. No, no, not a problem. Uh, but yeah, no. We're sure. doing uh, Phantasmagoria, took a lot from uh, Stephen King's book, and she read God, you know, all of Stephen King's works and several other horror authors, and then dug in on Phantasmagoria.
0: So. Well, I'm a bit surprised you don't see more full motion video in games now. With um, you know the phone in your pocket can do 4K video, 8K video for some of the Google stuff. The the quality could be so much better. On uh, the visuals nowadays, and you don't see it used too much. Um, some in the indie game space, but I kind of thought that would
2: come back because yeah. when
0: you make a computer graphic person, they never look like realistic, really. Still,
2: no, not at all. If 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 you know if the game I'm working on now goes, and if um, yeah, I mean, if it's successful and profitable and everything else, then certainly doing another horror game is uh, on Roberta's radar screen. And I would say that you know, I don't know if she'll do horror. She's talked about either that or um, continuing the Laura Bow series Mm. and uh, doing Mm. something like that. So if yeah, if what I'm working on now goes, then the next time we might use real actors. I'm not sure. We'll see how
1: it plays out. So one of the fascinating sort of bits bits of Sierra history that we all got to peek into the house. that you shared with Roberta Williams went on the market uh, a year or two ago. And a lot of us were like really thrilled looking at some of the, the photos Uh, while going through the photos, a rumor cropped up and I'm wondering if you can confirm or deny this, but a rumor cropped up that behind the property, you and Roberta had built a wild West town.
2: Well, uh, no, we didn't build it. Whoever bought the property after us did. You know, it looks, um, I, l- I looked at the pictures and I was uh, fascinated. It, um, it's crazy. I mean, somebody invested millions of dollars um, creating, um, creating a pretty special place there. It, um, yeah, I mean, it was nice when we had it, but not nearly as nice as it is now. Somebody um, really got carried away. And I assume what happened is they got too old or something and needed to sell the place because it was a lot to take care of but uh nope not us it um really the only i guess unusual thing when we were there was that it had a, a volleyball court indoors that we called Wally ball, and um, we used to have uh, kind of game night there every week and invite a lot of people from the company and the court had a apple logo on the floor because um and we had a party there we had a heck of a party one time <laughs> Like 800 people for our housewarming, and everybody that was in the industry at that point kind of came out. So it was uh, that was a neat house. Well, I, I guess one other thing is that uh, there was a river that ran from there all the way to Oakhurst, and um, a bunch of us from the company decided to see if we could whitewater raft the river. <laughs> and nobody had ever done that, so we took cheap air mats. And uh, I remember about halfway down, Scott Murphy managed to get pinned. Uh, he's the uh, one of the two guys from Andromeda from Space Quest. And he managed to get pinned between uh, a rock and rushing water and uh, a rubber raft. And he was under it and almost drowned. And uh, we all kind of had to pull him out of there. But it, it was close. That could have been the end of, uh, end of that of Scott right there. Uh,
1: I'm just imagining him using his two guys from Andromeda nose extension as a snorkel. (laughs) Uh, You could have,
2: well, that would have helped. I'll tell you. It was, uh, that was a, that was a scary day. That was when, you know, reality kind of set in that we should, uh, take things a little more serious.
0: Looking back on the Sierra titles, there's such an impressive variety of titles. I mean, you had like the football games, the fishing simulators, as well as the adventure games Mm -hmm. and, and so forth. Is there one sort of, um, Genre of game you wish you would have gotten into that you couldn't seem to get a foothold on, looking back on it.
2: I can't think of anything we missed. If we, uh, <laughs> you know, we we were we covered the bases. I mean, it. Um, yeah, we were in everything, and you know, I think part of the special thing about Sierra that um, a lot of companies don't do today, or the big companies, is focus in the uh, small niches. You know, we found that, um, as long as you kept the, uh, budget in line with the sales projections, you know, we did, you know, civil war products and, um, kind of almost board game type categories with impressions that weren't particularly big niches or, uh, Hoyle's card games, um, that you could actually kind of make money and fans liked it. And it was, um, yeah, whereas today, I think everybody's kind of focused. If it isn't going to sell a million copies, then um, you don't want to develop it. And that kind of creates a whole lot of, because there's only so many big niches like that. And I, you know, I like that Sierra just basically took a look at people and recognized they're not all the same. And they like different kinds of games. And as long as we could, um, yeah, as long as we could make money so we'd have marketing do a projection. If it was only going to sell 10,000 units, then we knew it could spend around 4 or $5 a copy on development. And if I could find something that could be built in that price range and make the customers happy, then everybody wins. So, we, could, yeah, we had everything.
1: Fans of video games, history, or video game history, will definitely want to listen to Retronauts. Each week, Bob Mackey and myself, that's Jeremy Parrish, dive into the stories behind the greatest games of the past and the history behind the hits of today. Check us out every Monday on the Greenlit Podcast Network. We're the Spirit Hunters,
0: and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks we do linguistic analysis, so the Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine. But so the changed meaning in Japanese it means to temper. Other times we get absolutely smashed.
1: So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. Go you
0: can find out more about the Spirit Hunters right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. So
1: one so of one the of- things that really set uh, a lot of Sierra games apart was just that the designers would sometimes appear in them, and, and you notoriously were caricatured multiple times in multiple games, particularly by Al Lowe. Uh often you know very humorously i was always wondering did you did you ever get him back did you ever like sneak a jab at uh at al low in, into anything or
2: no not that i can remember it um yeah it would have been up to one of the designers to pick on al and that i never um yeah i never really directly put anything into a game that um now yeah, they like to pick on me. I, I I took a lot of stuff out of the games. I never liked what I called inside humor where they would uh, pick on other members of the team or try to uh, put in Easter eggs that nobody would understand. And um, yeah, those I would quite frequently tell them to rip out of the game because it, you know, it just did ha- didn't have any meaning to players, but no, I never really, now I, I can't remember anything where I got back at Al that would have been nice. Yeah, we we still play golf um, quite often, and um, we'll tease each other on the golf course. Al's a funny guy. He's fun to hang out with. So
0: the the puzzles in your game are often challenging, and you had a healthy business and and hint books and strategy guides. Can you remember what was the best selling out of those?
2: Oh, uh, as far as strategy guides and so I, I I know that we tried to do fun stuff with them. I mean, in a way you know, they helped us and that if people bought a hemp book, they weren't going to be calling our uh, phones where I had to, you know, because every time you pick up the phone with a real human, it costs money. And the um, hemp books were nice in that, um, you know, they, they resulted in revenue and we didn't want to make a profit on them. I never, you know, I, I, I never really wanted that. So in a way, the money that came in, I could invest a hundred percent of in the uh, hemp book itself. And so we did. We, we wanted to make them fun for people. So we did a lot of stuff with like, um, you know, invisible link markers. And mm. I think we did some with uh, red foil so that you could see the answer and not get more hints than you wanted. So in a way, those were a product in itself. And we tried to make them fun and interesting and not just um, a sheet of paper with a bunch of heat hints on it. So, it, you know, that worked. I think we even experimented with 900 calls at one point. We're... It was a paid call to our line. Um, I didn't want to lose money on them, but I also wanted people to get the hints so they weren't just stuck. And there wasn't the internet in those days. I mean, today you just get on social media and ask someone.
1: Well, those hint books were something special. I love the Space Quest V hint book where it has solutions for puzzles that aren't in the game. And if you read it front to back, it describes a completely different version of the game than the one you're actually uh playing.
2: Yeah, it was probably Scott. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, Scott and Mark were funny guys. That, that, yeah, Larry and Space Quest were always my favorite games. They were, uh, they were fun. As, far as adventure games,
1: well, you did a lot of programming. Did you ever, did you ever hide anything in the code of your games? Uh, uh, whether just like a signature or something fun or just...
2: no, I, I mean, other than you know, I. I, I was the one that came up with the um, uh, the age check for Leisure Suit Larry, and so I wrote a lot of the uh, questions, you know, the pre-screen where we try to verify people's age, and um, I remember having a lot of fun with that and putting some uh, some fun questions in there. But now, in general, I you know I was um, I was I, I, it was really you know it did, what a player really appreciated was the important thing. And, you know, because we weren't there to generate fun for us, we wanted to generate fun for them. And there was a lot of developers that always were trying to figure out how do I sneak my name in or how do I sneak something in? And I tried to fight that all the time. It wasn't going to make a player smile. Why do it? Although now I guess, you know, finding those old Easter eggs that did get through me is kind of an adventure game in itself because I'm sure there's some of them they snuck in that I never found. <laughs>
0: Yeah. On the old uh, Interaction magazine, you would fr- frequently, in your column opening the magazine, you would really push the the technology as as your games did, whether it was CD-ROM or the newer sound cards and so forth. Would you say, uh, since um, you know, not being a part of, of Sierra for a while and being retired, uh, do you does does any technology come to mind as kind of the next big thing? Because you always were were into things really early on whether it was going to Japan and seeing Mario 64 and and all these things before most other people could see him.
2: No, I mean, I'm working on a game now, but, you know, Sierra was there at the beginning and led the industry for almost 20 years. And from a leader's position, you know, since I was talking to all the hardware companies, I was, um, you know, kind of plugged in. So I, 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 I had a lot of information that allowed me to really understand where the industry was and where it was going. And now, you know, I've been out of the industry for 20 years and, you know, maybe if I continue in the game development and at some point, you know, I'm, it, we become an important enough game company that uh, people will talk to me again. Um, yeah. Then maybe, but you know, as I sit here today, I'm a, um, you know, a long retired guy who, um, isn't very plugged in and really doesn't have much of a sense i mean as i you know as I, i'm working on games and stuff there's a lot i think could happen in ai and in network games that may or may not even be happening i can't even tell you that i played every game that's out there or even most or even a few so so i guess it's a long way of saying nope sorry i uh you know i i, I was at a special point in the industry with sierra but at that point it was 20 years ago and you know, based on, um, a Ken Williams, it doesn't exist anymore.
0: I, I do find it fascinating. Now you can go into a Costco and pick up a Oculus Rift VR set for under $300. That's completely wireless. That's this self-contained thing with the, the fidelity compared to something in the nineties where you had to have all these wires and things looked neon green and you were shooting pterodactyls with the yeah. 3D glasses.
2: It was a nightmare. I've got a quest Two sitting in front of me and, uh, yeah, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it and that I keep, you know, having to put it on to test, and that's bugging me. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's an incredible piece of hardware. It's got, you know, figure two uh, GPUs or graphics cards with two high-resolution monitors. And, yeah, it, it's an amazing piece of technology for the price. I just can't believe how they can deliver something like that
1: so cheap. It's fun uh-huh. to program
2: for, though.
0: Oh, great. Uh, Thrasher, do you have a final question?
1: Oh, yes. So this goes back to uh, when we covered the high res adventures, particularly Mystery House, I had found some behind the scenes information that uh, in that particular era of, of, of the games, most of the graphics, uh, were created by, you know, scanning, scanning actual drawings in with kind of a, a rudimentary scanner and turning those into the game's graphics. What was it like working with, what well, I guess what I can only presume was like a first generation scanner and, and applying what you scanned into the games. Well, I don't know. I mean, it was,
2: it was a pain, I guess, would be the answer. And, um, uh, and it was, it, was, it was frustrating in that you would scan and you get fairly high resolution. But in order to do a game, you had to drop the stuff from, yeah, you know, probably in those days, I thought high resolution was, you know, 600 by 400 or something. We had to drop it <laughs> by 128 by 80 or, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, like, especially, you know, like Phantasmagoria. I remember how good it looked in the video. and um, And then, you know, you play the actual game on CD-ROM. Uh, yeah, I guess it was CD-ROM we shipped it on, and it um, and the graphics look so terrible. You know, it's like you wish you could remake some of that old stuff and uh, bring it up to modern standards. It um, yeah, it's just so sad. I mean, scanning stuff and then you know gutting the hell out of it. So, but at Thank least I don't got to do that anymore. These days, you can pretty much do what you want.
0: That's true, and it's, um you know, I've seen with the AI 4K upscaling, people did took the video from some of the uh, EA's Wing Commander games and up, did had the AI up it to 4K, and that looked pretty good. But I'm wondering if people have done that with the old Phantasmagoria or the Gabriel Knight videos. Um, that's interesting, yeah, because cause he had I it all. That. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's good quality acting and... Uh, Special effects and all that with the Phantasmagoria. Well, Ken, thank you so much for this uh, chat we've had this morning on the Sierra games. Um, for more information on your upcoming game, people should go to kensgame.com. Is that right?
2: That is correct. Thank you. I oh, you're welcome. always take a plug.